I think I was six years old. Six? six. They sent you to a totally French school yeah. at six years old. And I had no idea how to say one word in French, and it was very traumatic. How did you get through the year? I learned how to speak French. Really? <laughs> yeah. I think that everything happens for a reason. For a few, you know, months or maybe a year even, I kind of like lost hope and I was just like, okay, this serious? is it. Yeah, I was like, this is it. I would go with my mom to her Botox and filler appointments. Yeah. I loved my mom's injector and I'll say like her name is Nurse Michelle and till this day, like she's the one who inspired me to like change my route. Wow. And um, yeah, and I was like, I think this is it. I remember the first time I made a thousand dollars in one day, I was like, oh my God. Game on. I was like, thousand dollars? I've never had a thousand dollars ever. I love so hard, but I hate even harder. And there's mm. no like in between. Yeah. There, there's no in between for me. When I'm in the trauma, when I'm dealing with the trauma, it's yeah. a lot. But then when I come out of it, yeah. done. Welcome everybody to our next episode of the Unlinear Podcast. I am so happy to be sitting here with one of the most accomplished in her field, one of the most known in her field, and literally perhaps the uh, life dream of many who exist in your industry. Thank you so much, Nurse That's Yara. so nice. For uh, sharing time with us here at Unlinear. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Fantastic. I'm fantastic. So, you know, at Unlinear, obviously the goal is we don't necessarily want to do a by the numbers interview. We always want to feel like we're going from two distinct points in somebody's life. Uh, so now, highly successful. Um, are you still working on multiple locations or do you just have the one at the moment? At the moment, we have the one. We're yep. currently work, working on a second. Working on a second location. Mm -hmm. So one great location. Mm -hmm. um, working on a second. Dozens of speaking engagements at this point. Do you prefer the, the brick and mortar of going in every day still or do you like to teach? No, I think I prefer teaching for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I could kind of see that in, you know, I'm not going to give press to another publication. I know there was an interview where you said, because you didn't like to wake up early in the morning, you'd message your assistants and ask them what time you got to come in. And then you'd essentially be injecting all day. Yeah. Uh, without eating sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, and yet when I see footage of your speaking engagements or your teaching engagements and you're traveling, it seems like a much more dynamic yeah. experience. Where do you think your love of, like, why is it that you think teaching is more more what's speaking to you now in this part of your career? It's like you mentioned, it's a lot more dynamic. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more to it mm -hmm. it's, as opposed to kind of almost doing the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a lot more... Um, I mean, I'm fulfilled every day by what I do, obviously, mm -hmm. but I think there's a lot more fulfillment when you're teaching someone else how to do what you do mm -hmm. and, and and be inspired by you. I think like inspiring others has always been something that I loved doing. So mm -hmm. that's why that's why I think I enjoy it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let, let's start at the beginning. So where are you born? I was born in Abu Dhabi, UAE. Really? Yeah. Oh you didn't know that. This is already getting exciting. You didn't know that. Well, I mean, who knows, right? Yeah. Like, what yeah. type of interview would I be if I didn't know that? I, I, I did know you weren't <laughs> born here. I did not know it was Abu Dhabi. Yeah. A close place in my heart because I'm a Formula One fan. So you were you were you're you're born in the place where they yeah. the end the season. So mm -hmm. you're born in Abu Dhabi. Mm -hmm. When do you move? Uh, it was never consecutive. So we were always kind of three years in Abu Dhabi, three years in Montreal, and then kind of back and forth, back and forth all my life. 
Abu Dhabi to Montreal your whole life? Uh, yeah, um, there are two years, kind of when I turned 16, when I lived in Malaysia for two years. Wow. Kuala Lumpur, yeah. That was my favorite, I think, place really? ever. Yeah, I loved it. Now, why the travel? Was this your mother's doing, your father's doing? My dad. Okay. My dad's uh, job. So my dad's job, whenever he'd go somewhere, uh, he was in the oil field. So mm-hmm. um, whenever he'd go somewhere where my mom wasn't interested in moving to, we'd mm-hmm. go to Montreal. And then whenever he'd move back to Abu Dhabi, we'd move back with him. So ah, it was very, okay. very on and off, like traveling a lot, moving out a lot. And then... Your mother, I guess, is is just. Did you, was your mother working at this time for her to be this? Fluid? My mom used to be a teacher. Wow. Back in her hometown, and she used to teach Arabic language. Wow. And when we moved, sometimes she took Arabic jobs, like Arabic language teaching jobs. Yeah. But um, she's also a hairstylist, so she she never was not doing anything. I guess. Hair salon. Yeah. So have you spent a lot of time in a in a hair salon before? Yeah. Like just growing up throughout the years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I asked that because my mother was also a hairstylist. Oh. I, 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 my, my entrepreneur journey started as a shampoo, uh, shampoo. Guy. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, big hands. And I, you, know, you, <laughs> you would get shampoo tips. To, yeah, I, I would yeah. do a great deal of things. And then w- when my career ended, where my mom wanted me to start doing aesthetics, my dad said, absolutely not. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, no, I, I learned how to do a full set of gel nails. It was like I would, I would practice on my what? sister. And then, uh, you know, we got to a point where this I wasn't going to make a career out of that, so we, we sidestepped. But it's, so I, I credit so much of what I understand about dealing with people from being in a hair salon. So it, it speaks to me why. There, there was something that stuck out to me when you were talking about your work. We'll, we'll get there, which is the therapy aspect, mm. which you pick up in a hair salon a lot. Because mm-hmm. you know, they're at their most vulnerable. Yeah. Women walk into your space yeah. expecting to leave feeling and looking better. Yeah. Which I would imagine is complicated because of the nature of what you do. Sometimes the results aren't right there on the day. They got to give it a day, which is interesting. But so where's your father from? Egypt. Egypt. And your mother's from? Syria. So your Syrian hairstylist mother spending time in Montreal when there were parts of the world she didn't want to be in is spending massive amounts of time with you, obviously. Your father is this more... Would you say he's just more like sort of transient figure? He's sort of in yeah. and out, present, but in and out, right? Mm-hmm. And that's something I always say, because my father worked a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. And people say, oh, so your father wasn't present. I said, no, my father was always present. He just wasn't always there. But we felt, mm-hmm. felt my father. What do you remember most about your upbringing, sort of traveling back and forth and being in these different spaces? Um, meeting a lot of people who kind of lived the same lifestyle as me. So expats, okay. a lot of expats. Yeah. Um obviously learning to kind of let go and then starting over again that wow. was a big thing you know because we moved around a lot so it was like unexpectedly we would just be like oh six months from now we're leaving okay yeah um i think that's what i remember i do remember obviously like different schools and things like that but mm. we always tried to keep the same program so like for example uh, GS, I don't even know if I'm going to say it's probably, but the British program. So okay. we always grew up in um, schools who had British program yeah. education. So it was kind of linked properly. Okay. Um, in some air, in some instances, that, that wasn't the case. When and we went to Montreal, yeah. um, they have their own system. Yeah. So I had to actually be in a French-only school, and I wow. had no idea how to speak French. I was, I think, I think I was six years old. Six. Yeah, must have been They six. send you to a totally French school yeah. at six years old. And I had no idea how to say one word in French, and it was very traumatic. 
Because you have to, well, I don't know how it is now, but back then you were supposed to be spending an amount of time in a uh, public French school in order for you to be able to go into a private English school or a private. Wow. Uh, yeah. Back then, that's how it was. How did you get through the year? I learned how to speak French. <laughs> really? Yeah. Any extra tutors or you just, like no. a secret agent, just picked up the language from watching people? Speak? Yeah, I had to. I had to. No one spoke Arabic and no one spoke English, so I had to learn how to make my way. I don't want to gloss over this. You're telling me that you taught yourself how to speak French at absolutely. six years old. Yeah, absolutely. God. It was okay. so hard. Of course, it was so hard. And there was so much crying. Go back home, like, crying, because I had no idea, like, what anyone was saying. Crying, but go back, get it done. Yeah. Done. And how long did this last? How long? <laughs> like, three years. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Six to nine, yeah. learning the French language. Yeah. Difficult days. <laughs> you're in Montreal, so I'm guessing your dad's away on a job. Yeah. So it's just you and mom slugging it out. And and my siblings, yeah. How many siblings do you have? Uh, two. Older, younger, younger sister, younger brother. So you're you're leading. You're supposed to be the one that has it all together, telling everybody, "Hey guys, this is fine." Mm -hmm. They don't speak French either. No, but they were younger at the time. They were in a Montessori, so. It was English. So you're the only one learning French? Yeah, at that point. But then later, obviously, they learned French. But but yeah, I was the only one. I couldn't even say how, you know, I remember this one time, I couldn't even say, like, can I go to the bathroom? And my teacher wouldn't let me go until I said it properly. Yeah. Oh so my I was goodness. forced. And then, at, like, after, like, a year, I was fluent. That's it. One year to become fluent in French? Yeah, because, I mean, you're young and, and you're, you're forced to... You're forced. They didn't speak English that well in my school. Like they, they didn't understand what I was saying. I mean, just as a point of reference, I went to French school as well. I, yeah. did, it, I did it in Ontario. I wasn't immersed in the, into the society as much. My French started in ju. Okay, so there's junior and senior kindergarten. So I started French in senior kindergarten. How old were you then? Four turning five. Oh, okay. I have a late birthday. My birthday's in November. So when I started school, I was three turning, three turning four. Yeah. You go the next year, senior kindergarten, four turning five, ending the school year at five. They didn't call me fluent until grade two. It took me three years. Now, granted, I don't know if they teach different when you're a kid, and I wasn't in this sort of live or die were, situation. Yeah, but you were able to speak English, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in the school? Yeah. No. Oh, it's just French. Yeah, so my, my schooling is, is a bit different than some others. I took every single course in French until high school, other oh, than English. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I learned my geography in French, my oh, math in French. Oh, I see, okay. Uh, I did all that in French yeah. until uh, grade nine. I went to a different high school in, mm -hmm. um, in a different part. But specifically those early years from senior kindergarten, grade five, all French. If you spoke, if you spoke English outside, you got in trouble. Mm -hmm. They were really trying to create this, this environment. Mm. And that, that same thing, if you don't say, can I go to the bathroom properly? Can't they, go. they leave you there. Where did your love of science start? I think I always loved science. I always loved math and science. Like really? that was, yeah, that was a big thing. Math and science were my favorite topics in school. Okay. And yeah, it's just, it was always uh, where I excelled the most, I think. So I asked about science because it's, it's, it should be well known for those who follow, but we'll say it for the audience. You originally wanted to be a neuroscientist. Mm -hmm. And I, I would tell the story, but I want to hear you tell the story. How does that change and when? Um, I would go with my mom to her appointments, like yeah. her Botox and filler appointments, yeah. and she was new to it, and so was I. I didn't really know much about that world. Yeah. And the sec, like I, you know, went to one, I went to two, and I think at the second appointment, I, 
loved my mom's injector and I'll say like her name is nurse Michelle and till this day like she's the one who inspired me to like change my route wow and um yeah and I was like I think this is it how old are you when you meet nurse Michelle and fall in love with this career I want to say I was 22 22 I think so and you essentially are establishing the career at 24 just two years so then it must have been earlier. It must have been 21, 2021, yeah. Now, here's the thing I find interesting, and I heard you say it before. You said to do this, you have to be a nurse or a doctor, mm-hmm. which is that barrier to entry. Mm-hmm. But that you, you, love, you love that part of this, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, tell me why. Because I know I, why. As, a, as an entrepreneur, I know why, but I want to hear why do you love that part? Why do I love that you need to be? Mm-hmm. Well, because it's not, you know, you have to get that pre-education mm-hmm. prior to coming in Mm -hmm. um but not all countries do that right some countries Mm. you don't have to be either or okay um but there's a lot more you know dangers and risks taken when you're not Mm -hmm. either or um but i think that the education of either really prepare you for complications it prepares you for um even just communicating with the patient Mm -hmm. slash client Mm -hmm. um you know just working at a hospital hospital prior to being an injector Mm -hmm. has helped me so much like i worked in a really rough Unit. It was a neurobehavioral unit. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of brain injuries, mm-hmm. and just working with them and having built that patience mm-hmm. and that way of communicating with people with different brain injuries and effects that they took on them, mm-hmm. that taught me how to have bedside manner. Wow! But like a lot of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you wanted to be a neuroscientist you're 21 when you make this change Mm -hmm. were you already in school studying neuro geez Mm -hmm. okay so this is this is where we're gonna cut this is i'm seeing the patterns now so you're 21 you've committed a few years to studying neuro Mm -hmm. i was just starting off okay yeah do you think that there's something in this little girl who moves is able to pick up let go is able to make quick decisions it's something you've known your whole life that makes it easy for you to sit there on that day you know probably sitting with nurse michelle having a coffee and think yeah no i'm gonna switch it yeah 100 percent. and you still have that with you today this decisiveness this ability to make a decision in the moment yeah but i think i've learned from experience that i should just sleep on things (laughs) (laughs) so do you think so being in business more now has made you less impulsive or more I think less impulsive, but like I, it's, it's hard. Like, like certain decisions in my life I do make really quickly, Yeah. but, uh, other big ones I've learned to just sleep on it. Wow. Yeah. So, okay. So where were you studying neuro? Um, I was at U of T. Okay. And before that I was in, um, Cegep in Montreal. Yeah. Cegep, yeah. yeah I was in Cegep. So I was at John Abbott college and, uh, I had applied to neuroscience and I was starting my journey at the U, at U of T and then I switched soon after. Now, when you switch, do you stay at U of T or you have to switch to go somewhere else? No, I went to McMaster for nursing. Okay. Yeah. How many, okay, so how many years did you do at U of T? Oh, barely anything. There was a lot of like, there was a lot of, um, there was a, a, a disconnect between Montreal and here okay. because of CJEP. Okay. I hadn't fully completed CJEP and I actually dropped out uh, soon after because of something that happened to my mom and I had to take care of her. So, so I, I dropped out. Um, it was a lot of pressure. And so 
um, I actually at that point in time thought that there was like no future for me. <laughs> so when you when you say you dropped that, you dropped to the UFT or you dropped to CJ? No, CJ. Last, we had to move here and yeah. I was like, okay, I'll move yeah. and um, I'll figure whatever I need to do Whoa. in in Toronto to continue those whatever grades or whatever that I was missing in yeah. order to apply to UFT. And I did and I got accepted. But it was during that transition where I was like, I just dropped out and my Whoa. my my sister just graduated from CJP and it was like and she's younger than me. So for 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 a few, you know, months or maybe a year even I kind of like lost hope and I was just like, okay, Are you this serious? is it. Yeah, I was like, this is it. So you were <laughs> so you're twenty one. So this this meeting with the nurse is helpful because you're twenty one, you don't know what you're gonna do. No, I, I, I was admitted and I, I knew that that's what I was gonna do. I was admitted, I was so happy about it, and then I was like, wait a second. Mm-mm. No. This thing that happens to your mom, we're not going to get into yeah. it, but I'm, I guess, I'm assuming your dad was away at this time. Yeah. And I, I guess it's something where he wasn't able to return. Yeah. And yeah, actually, they didn't even know about it. It was just me. <laughs> and it was, the, it was the a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was just me who knew about it. So it was like a little bit too much. And she didn't want my siblings to, to really know what was really going on. And so it was just me. How do you feel about that thinking on it in hindsight? I think that everything happens for a reason. Mm. I think that everything happens for a reason. I think there's a reason for that. And I mean, I wouldn't have been where I am now if I didn't go with her to her, you know, appointments. It's so interesting because I, you know, one thing I see about the way you handle work pressure, I can tell it doesn't phase you, Mm -mm. but it's, it's sort of being marked by these, these, look, they say that moving when you're a child is a trauma. It's supposed to be because it's uprooting your it's uprooting your, your your basis. Not necessarily knowing what next what next steps you're going to take in your early twenties is also a trauma because you're leaving structure. But what I'm seeing is that you're looking at these trauma moments and you're speaking about them all positively. Yeah. Without sidesteps, without yeah. any slips, hesitation. Your relationship with difficulty. How much of that? Wow. It is because it's, 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 these are the, these are the characteristics that keep you going. This is where you say, Mm -hmm. Hey, we have one location. We're doing another one. I'm teaching Mm -hmm. because trauma doesn't scare you. Mm -mm. I think you learn from it. I think you learn from it, but like in the moment Mm. it is, it is hard. Like in the moment it is hard. Cause I always say like, I love so hard. Mm Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say the hate word, but, mm-hmm. but I hate even harder. And there's mm-hmm. no like in between, yeah. there, there's no in between for me. So when I'm in the trauma, when I'm dealing with the trauma, it's yeah. a lot. But then when I come out of it, yeah. done. Do you, do you sit in these trauma moments for a long time or do you find it easy to pass no. in and out of it? No, I, I, I go in and out. Wow. Yeah. I go in and out, but I, I, I try to see, I've, I've, like recently also just, you know, being older and stuff, I kind yeah. of look at the positive or what I'm going to learn from it. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm waiting to see what I'm going to be learning from this one. Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to learn? But eventually you find out what you're going to learn from that trauma. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, we, so we're coming off this place. You're there for your family. Mm-hmm. You feel this pressure to make this, this transition to Toronto mm-hmm. work. You mean like when I well because moved you're coming to Toronto? To Toronto? Yeah, you're moving to Toronto. There's you know there's stuff going on with your mother. Your little sister's graduated. You're the oldest one. You know there's this not secret, but there's this reality that only you and your mom know. Yeah. So you have to 
you're an anchor for her. You're holding mm-hmm. space for her. Mm-hmm. In all honesty, there's not many places that can hold space for you in that place because mm-hmm. you can't confide in anyone else. And at the same time, you also got to figure out what you're going to do next. Yeah, but I think I put that on hold, like mm. to take care of things. I, I just put that on hold and I was like, I was whatever's meant to be is going to come to me. And I just put that on hold for a bit. So how'd you decide on going to McMaster? When everything with my mom was cleared, everything was good. I... I, can, I guess I was inspired by, you know, both obviously Nurse Michelle, but mm-hmm. also I was in and out of the hospital a lot. Mm. And I was very inspired by the care, I guess. Which so, is where you talk about that bedside manner. Yeah. I was very inspired by the care and curious because I looked into a lot of like health related things yeah. and, you know, I... I was very, very inspired. And then even, I mean, Sajep, I was in health sciences. So okay. it never, you know, wasn't part of my life, but. So this natural care, desire to care for people. Yeah. When you get into nursing, is there a part of you that, because obviously you go in with the goal of following the footsteps of Nurse Michelle, but you talk about this love of care. Yeah. Did your eyes ever wander to be in a different field? Oh, absolutely. What was it? Yeah. No, it was the New York Behavior Award. Wow. I was, I, but I. I think I got a little too attached to my patients and I would bring it back home. Okay. Um, and I looked forward to like seeing them okay. again. And I looked forward to like having conversations with them. And I think I saw that other nurses that were in my unit, I mean, not all, but some, it's very easy for them to detach. Yep. And not be so um, take it back home kind yep. of thing. But yep. I, I didn't. So, I don't know, sometimes I thought that was like a problem. I like I, that was a problem with me. Like yeah. there was an there was an issue and I just got too attached to my patients. Um so yeah, a huge part of me before I left was like but I'm not going to see so and so again. Yep. Like I'm not yep. going to see you know, a room so and so like yeah. It was just I'm going to throw one out there for free. I don't think it means anything. I think it's interesting that a woman who grew up in a world where she had to be comfortable I with know, attachment. I know. Saw her ability to attach as a problem. Now, yeah. I'm no psychologist, but I think that there's a, there's a <laughs> podcast episode in that one by itself. Mm-hmm. The attachment's what scared you. Yeah. You think about the story. Yeah. It's interesting that we end up there, but we, we go to McMaster, we graduate. What's the first step after after leaving Mac? Um, I always knew that I wanted to... Obviously, because of Nurse Michelle, I wanted yeah. to start my own business. Yeah. Um, I'm also, I'll say this openly, I'm not a great employee. Okay. I'm not. <laughs> okay. And I know that about myself. I'm not a great employee. I'm, <laughs> I don't get into trouble, but I just, <laughs> I'm just not a good employee. <laughs> I got, you got to so operate I, your own schedule. So I yeah. knew that I needed to do something where it was just me and no one would tell me when to come in and, okay. and I didn't have set hours. And so, uh, at the time I, I met a partner who, um, kind of had saw, had the same vision as me sure. and, um, and we went from there and I was like, you know what? Like I'm going to start. And I started out of my mom's basement. Wow. So you yeah. start, so you leave school. So this is impressive for, for, for those who are entrepreneurs or those who aren't. It is rare. A lot of people get, get to entrepreneurship after being an entrepreneur for a little bit. You graduate out of school and you start off. Yeah. Your name on the wall, your name on the door, your face on the brand. Because any partner who comes yeah. in who believes they're helping maybe financially, they're helping structure-wise, mm-hmm. but you're the brand, you're it. Yeah. And that's how you start your career. Mm-hmm. And I started out, well, we did skip something out. When I was studying, when yeah. I was in nursing, yeah. I was actually a tutor as well. And I was doing that on my own time. 
So I was doing that, like, it was like my mini business at the time. So I was a tutor. I would tutor chemistry. I would tutor French. I would tutor math um, to high school students. So, uh, yeah, so I would go around my area and and tutor. And I think that taught me something or, you know, a thing or two for sure. And uh, back in Sijep, I actually started the very first cheerleading team. Really? Yeah. You were a cheerleader? Yeah. But I I started the team. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start the team. Or I'm not going to be on it. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they had a team of like four girls. And I was like, what is this? I want like 30 of them. Yep. And so I went in with a proposition. And I said, listen, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to handle this. Yep. And I'm going to take it from here. And I started a team. And we had like 30 girls. This was like 2011. Wow. And that taught me a lot about leadership. Being in charge of 30 girls was intense and being also a cheerleader on the team at mm-hmm. the same time mm-hmm. that taught me a lot <laughs> and this is all in montreal yeah managing a team of 30 so now yeah john abbott cheerleading team 2011 was the first one is the cheerleading team still around i think so <laughs> okay yeah. so so you are i just want to make sure we say this no hyperbole you're the founder of john abbott cheerleading team absolutely there's there's newspaper article about it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I, I, I missed that. I, I missed that. I missed that in the in the in the research. One thing I did find though is when you're starting your career, you're spending a great deal of time doing sort of these influencer posts. Yeah, reviewing different products usages. Where'd you get the idea for that? Mm, I. Th- um. I think I'm always inspired by mm. by other providers, but mm-hmm. I'm always kind of taking the inspiration and seeing what I could do to kind of make it better. Mm. So, yeah. Something I read is that you inject yourself. Do you still inject yeah, it? Yeah, I do. Which is so interesting. So, how did, so is that normal? Is, is that a normal practice or do, you, do other I think, practitioners usually learn practice? Uh, the majority don't, but there are a few who will inject themselves. I think we just find it a lot more, uh, a lot less painful to do it. Really? Yeah, when you're like expecting it and you know, you know, the speed you're going at and I don't know, you're expect like whenever I've had other injectors do it, yeah. I'm just, it's so painful. But when I do it myself, no. Have you ever injected yourself and made a mistake? Yeah. So how do you fix a mistake? You don't. <laughs> you just wait. You just have to live with it? Look, with Botox, <laughs> like in the, my first years, I kind of tried everything on myself. Like okay. when I first started with okay. Botox, you kind of have to just deal with it and wait till it fades with filler. You can just dissolve. So I've dissolved a few times and had to kind of just go in again. But now I know what I, what looks good on me and yeah. I know what I do and I know my limits. Yeah. So it's yeah. so interesting. One thing that I, when I was looking at my research, apparently you're known for dissolving the best. Dissolving. You mean injecting lips, injecting lips, but yeah. fixing bad lips yeah. as well. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily bad lips, I would say, but maybe bad lips. lips. I don't, I don't that, like. I understand professional credit. These are no. bad lips, people. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 lips that maybe people like the client isn't satisfied with. Okay. I would I would probably say that. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think starting from scratch is always a good thing for, for sure. both the client and myself. I can kind of mold the lips the way I want them yeah. to be. So, you start out. You're starting in your mom's basement. Yeah. You have this presence online where you're certainly uh, budding as an influencer. Mm-hmm. Are you educating? You're tutoring, but other, 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 other disciplines. You're not tutoring in your field yet. Mm-mm. And in your mom's basement, you're 24. Yeah, around there. Yeah. She started at 24. Mm-hmm, 24, 25. 
And um, we're not going to date it. You never ask a woman her age. But I will say this. The average business, they say, lasts five years. Mm. Uh, you ticked over five years uh, with success. Yeah. Uh, I think you're halfway to 10 years. If yeah. I'm getting it right. All right. Yeah. So this is a, it's a great run. What would you say was the hardest day? The hardest day? Yeah. Hmm. Can we get back to this one? Of I have course, no idea. To, no problem. No problem. No problem. <laughs> no, there's, there's been a lot of there's been a lot of rough days, but I don't know the <laughs> hardest one. Well, I think like sometimes a hard day is, you know, whether it's with a client, whether it's with a, a work partner, whether it's with doubt. Have you ever doubted if you could do this? You ever yeah. had a you ever you know had a bad client review and it puts you in a bad headspace? Oh space? yeah. So yeah. what? Okay, so what was that like? Like the first few bad reviews, you're always like, shit. Really? You're always like, shit, maybe I'm like going downhill. Maybe I'm like losing my mojo, you know? Really? So do, yeah. you, do you still look online at these comments at the, or yeah. do you just rely on that sort of word of mouth from the people that come into the store? My staff looks at, like keeps up with the reviews. Wow. And they like, tell you? Yeah, sometimes. If it's it really just, wow. they know I don't. Like, I won't care. They won't, like, tell me. But if it's something extensive and it's, like, yeah. they'll tell me. But, but I mean, definitely the first few bad reviews or first few unhappy clients, yeah. you're just, like, you're... What am I going to do? Just, you're, yeah. But As every you, business owner this, did you make money your first year? Yeah. Cash I positive. Did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, actually, I remember my parents probably putting in about like five thousand dollars, and yeah. um, my partner at the time putting in like maybe five to ten. Yeah. And we saw how much it like just tripled in like no time. Whoa. And so that's when I decided, you know what? Like, I'm, this is what I'm supposed to I'm do. I'm gonna go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna go for it. So you got the bug first month, first. First set of clients, and you know I'm yeah. still on this road. Yeah, like I remember the first time I made a thousand dollars in one day. I was like, "Oh my god!" Game on. I was like, thousand dollars? I've never had a thousand dollars ever." <laughs> so, so your location's in Toronto at this time. Milton, Milton, Ontario. It was always in Milton. Yeah. So when you're even when you're in my mom's basement. Your mom's basement was in Milton. Yes. And then you make the decision to just continue to grow in Milton. Yeah. Was it hard not to want to go downtown? No, because I feel like at some point all my clients came from anywhere. They do? Yeah. And I think that I think that once you've kind of um, established yourself, clients will come from anywhere because it's not like getting your nails done. Yeah. It's not like getting your hair done. You don't need maintenance. Yeah. You don't need, you know, your maintenance maybe is once a year, yeah. twice a year. Yeah. So people don't mind traveling the yeah. distance. Yeah. So I never really thought about it, no. Have you ever fired somebody, bad nurse? Yeah. Yeah. E easy or hard? Uh, the f I mean, I've always been accompanied with someone when we were firing. Gotcha. But there's one time that I had to do it on my own, but it was, an, it was, a, it was a front desk admin. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just... It was hard, like, it was hard outside of the room. Really? Yeah, like, outside of the room, like, other other people that were there, like, could see, like, how nervous I was. Mm -hmm. But then, once I was in the room, I just had to, like, poker face and just really? repeat the same words. <laughs> yeah. So, you're in Milton. How many years do you spend in the basement before you go to the location that... I think I was in the basement for, like, six months. 
And then, okay, the location yeah. that I know, so I know a location, is that the location that you went to? No, okay. I was in an office and I, I rented, it was a big office and then I rented, it was actually not a big office, but it was an <laughs> office and the office had three rooms. Okay. I had occupied the one room. Yeah. And then as we grew, I rented out the second room. Wow. And then I was like, hey, I'm going to split front desk with you because I need the front desk. Yeah. And then once we were occupying two rooms and front desk, I was like, okay, it's, it's, it. time to, it's time to move. And then how long did that process take from, from this? Because I'm guessing we from the office to where I we see now. two, three years, two, two, two years and a half, something like that. Two I was in that place, yeah. So two and a half years at the office, six months in the basement. Mm-hmm. It's a three-year runway. Mm-hmm. And then you get the space. And now it's been two years in the space. It's going to be two years in the space. What was the... Is there a moment that you think was your big break? I know... I'm Because there's a convention that you do, and I'm so surprised you haven't mentioned it yet. But was that oh, impactful yeah. to you or was it yeah. not? Yeah. My first ever training seminar mm-hmm. that I did on my own was uh, Lip Trends. Mm-hmm. Big up yourself. Talk, talk to tell the people about oh, it for those who don't know. Lip Trends God. is a moment in history. Yeah, Lip Trends by Narciara. Mm-hmm. I got so many sponsors, mm-hmm. and I like I did not even believe how many sponsors uh, sponsorship opportunities I I got, and we sold out the tickets in like two weeks. Jeez. But I think that was so nerve wracking to put them out on sale and like put myself out there, but mm-hmm. not know mm-hmm. if people were actually gonna buy the tickets. Yep. I was like. Why would someone want to like train with me? I've been, you know, in the business for this this many years, and I look up to so and so, and then I realized so and so was coming to my training, mm-hmm. and I remember like that made me cry. Like going in to the uh, present where the presentation was happening. It was at um, it was at the Hazelton Hotel yeah. in Yorkville, and. Going into that room and seeing how many people were there and seeing people that I used to look up to and still look up to to this day, seeing them watch me and trying to learn from me, I was, I was, it was just, I don't even know the word. Yeah. I know that you, you make it a point not to look at, what's the word you use? You don't look at what the lip injector is doing next door. Yeah, You're always focused on your own thing. Yeah. That head down. Yeah. Just, you know, and I, I know that you're big on... Re-education. I know you did a lot of courses. It I still do. There's always something you're going to learn. Do you think that you are aware of your success now? Because you're telling me that you get into doing, I just want to make sure everybody understands, you get into doing a sold-out convention yeah. in which you are the star mm-hmm. at one of the most expensive hotels in mm-hmm. our city. And the tickets were expensive, and I was like, maybe I should you know, make my tickets a little less expensive. Cause and you didn't know the scale of your own success no. at that time? Uh-uh. Do you think uh-uh. you know it now? No. No, because I I did another event yep. called Contouring Around the Globe. Yep. And again, it was sold out. Yep. And covered by Slice, by the way. Shout out to Slice. Yeah. So we, we we like we killed it. We killed it as well in that event. But I still couldn't really. I guess I. I don't know. I, you know, people always ask, like, when do you feel like? Oh, you feel like okay, I'm successful. Yeah. Like, when do you feel that? Yeah. I have no idea. I don't. I. I, I can't tell you because I have never. I, I. don't have that feeling yet. So it's not a number. No. 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 It's, it's a feeling. It's not the respect of your colleagues. That's part of it. That's a big part. It is the respect of your colleagues. That's a big part. 
but I don't, I don't know. It's, it'll, when I, when I have the feeling I'll, I'll know, but I don't feel it yet. Like, uh, whenever I travel abroad, there's still people that I look up to and I'm like, that's who I want to be. You were invited a couple or you were in a couple, um, I want to say it was about a month ago. You were in Los Angeles with a very famous TV plastic surgeon. Yeah. <laughs> the respect of these individuals, there's nothing for you to, to, to sense your own, your own abilities. Um, it does. Okay. I'm just, it does. I'm just stacking it up. It I, does. There's a blindness that you have here. And I'm just trying, we're tr- I'm trying to see. It does, but this has nothing to do with uh, like the people that I meet, but yeah. I think that I have a really, I have a way of, I guess, getting what I want. <laughs> okay, okay. I have a way. Fair to say, yeah. Of getting what I want. Yeah. And usually I get it. You're right. But obviously like hurdles and I don't really know when I'm going to get it. But I set my mind to get it and I mean, the wrong word is finesse, but. <laughs> it's very Toronto. The, the word is finesse. And never forget it. What's another, what's an appropriate word for finesse? Like tactical tactical yeah you tactically or you I tactically massage the situation yes. to what you want right to do. time right event mm-hmm. um right date mm-hmm. right audience mm-hmm. right outfit mm-hmm. everything down to the hairstyle mm-hmm. i am envisioning all of that before i do it wow the right speech the right amount of alcohol i'm going to be having before mm-hmm. <laughs> everything 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 and then I execute when I get there and then usually it's perfect and it's just the right timing, just right timing Mm -hmm. and God's plan, obviously Mm -hmm. God's plan, Mm -hmm. but right timing. I'll tell you why I asked that last question about you seeing your own success. I'm tracking some things here. You learn as a child to detach. Yeah. A career that required or that brought out the attachment and you scared you. Yeah. You exist in this business, head down, focused on growing it. Mm-hmm. You're giving a very by the numbers ability to tell us six months, what happened next, what happened after that, going into these conventions. Phenomenal memory, but you can't remember your worst day. Yeah, I can't. <clears throat> and I think it's Maybe because, I push it aside. Well, you detach yeah. from it, obviously. Yeah. There's something about it that doesn't stick with you. You don't read the I mean, comments. I, I kind of maybe remember. <laughs> but it was really bad. <laughs> My worst day was really bad. Okay. Like, would you say it's like, okay, so like worst day in business or would you say it was the worst day that affected my business? Yeah, I think once you're a business, once you start in business, um, I think it is, it's every day. The worst day I've ever had yeah, give me an example. You know what? I'll put it to you this way. I'm going to give a couple examples. T- two of them are the most important. I was having a conversation with my mother the other day. Uh, my, people who know me know this. My parents are, were separated. So my mom calls me the other day, and she's checking in on me. Hey, Travel, how you doing? Well, you know, Mom, I'm good. You know, work. I'm getting up, doing what I got to do. Keeping it. She goes, oh, no, you're like me. I'm asking how you're doing. I said, what do you mean? Well, my parents were getting separated, hmm. my mom's business... So she, she runs a hair salon and spa. Uh-huh. Uh, it was across the street from a Shoppers World, which is a, a mall in Brampton. But they were doing huge construction to the transit system. So the car traffic was having a hard time getting in. Obviously, you know, this is a business. is a percentage of your appointments. That's your bottom line. A percentage of your walk-up clients are your bottom line. Road traffic is going to kill your walk-up performance. Mm-hmm. So balance sheet's running a bit low. Uh, 
so there's money pressure. And then also she is in the midst of a separation from the man. My mama says your father was the man of my youth. Met him when she was in her teens, actually. Right. So um, and my mom said to me, my world was falling apart, but I went to work every day. Well, you and your me and your mom are very, very similar. I think the worst day of my career was probably when I had to break off my engagement. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the hardest one. See, you said you were going to make me cry. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was the hardest one because I had to go to work. Yeah. I had to go to work. Yeah. It was was like things had to keep going. I think I took one day off. Yeah. And I lost an employee because of an employee that I I loved so much. Um, I lost her because of that, because of the energy that I, that I put off and the energy that I couldn't get rid of. Yeah. 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 Sits on you. Yeah. We're going to cut off like the, all of the tears. We're going to focus on his face. (laughs) It sits on you and, and you know, I'm thinking uh, so much, you know, just, I'm tracking so many things here. I think about that time with your mom. Yeah. No one really to hold the space, but you hold the space for everyone. Yeah. And you're back there again and it's, it's your company. Yeah. And uh, and I know that clients probably were like, yeah. this girl is set to be the best. What the hell are we walking into? Yeah. They had no idea. No one had any idea what I was going through. Yeah. You know, people still ask me, well, what happened? Did you cry? Yeah. It didn't seem like you did. It, yeah. sem- it seemed like it was just like the same mm-hmm. like every day. I'm like, of course I did. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm human. But when I lost a staff, um, mm-hmm. but but it's just, you know, life goes on. Like mm-hmm. life does not stop. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to think of the end goal. Like is that little issue or issue in your life mm. gonna, it, you're just gonna stop because something happened? Like, no, mm. like, it's why would you stop? To. Because you have a, you have a end goal in mind yeah. and that end goal is not gonna disappear because something happened in your life and getting to that end goal is not gonna, uh, it, it's, that problem's not gonna hinder getting to that if wow. you get over that issue, right? So, but the, in the moment you're like, Oh, okay. Another day, just robot, right? Until you're over it. Kind of like teaching yourself French at six years old. Yeah. Come home, you cry, but you got to go back. Yeah. Are you going to cry? No, no, I'm listening to you. (laughs) We're fine, we're fine. Um, I think, what what would you say is the end goal then? Um, I don't know. I don't know what the end goal is. Isn't that what makes is. it scary then? Because your comfort yeah, is a destination that you don't, you can't even hold it. It's, it's, it's a theory. Yeah. A thought without a destination is a theory. I think I just want to be able to retire early, <laughs> retire early, but still have an influence. And, a, and, a, and a, uh, I don't want people to, uh, like, I don't want to ever be forgotten. I want to yeah. leave a mark, right? Your goal is to retire early, right? Yeah, but I also want to leave a mark, but I don't think that people like me ever retire, really. Well, I would argue that you are retired. You think so? How many months can your business operate without you being there, physically? If I want to make money, if I want to make real money... (laughs) No, not real money. Then I can't. If it stays alive, for it to just put her along. Yeah, like two months. That's a form of retirement. Yeah, two months. That's a form of retirement. I don't think... I don't think Elon Musk could take two months off. You don't think so? I think the whole thing would fall apart. 
But I think he sets up his businesses that way. I think he likes having to have. Yeah, but I feel like I would uh, I would be losing a lot of money the potential if I if I left for two months. Like I, potential would, and if I took two months off of social, if I took two days off of social media, I'd be like, okay, people are gonna forget. Really? <laughs> now, is that a real thing, or is that something you think you're putting on yourself? No, because sometimes when I go off social media for a week and I then I post something like if I'm away or whatever and I post something after a week, people are like, oh, my God, she's back. You know what uh, I mean? Okay. So so I, I like that. But I think if you're away for two months, like I, I, I think that's that's a lot. That's a long time, right. especially if you're always consistent on social media, like and then you disappear. Mm -hmm. And I make it a point to run my own social media. I don't hire anyone. Really? Yeah. All that's you, everything. Everything. I have my own camera. I know about cameras. I know about my microphones. I have a road. I have my own microphone. I have my own lighting. Oh my God. I do all, I set up everything and I do it on my own and I even edit my videos and everything. You edit your own videos? Yeah. Okay, when, how much sleep do you need a day? A lot. Because I read an article that said, and this is not a, a, a gender specific opinion, yeah. but I read an article that suggests men don't need as much sleep as women do. Women actually tangibly need beauty rest. I heard this. I sleep a lot. But then you're editing videos, you're, 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 yeah. you're shooting videos, you're, 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 you're doing your injections, you're injecting all day, you're yeah. teaching, you're planning travel. Yeah. Where's the, do you feel the burnout? Do you ever feel the yeah. burnout? And that's when I nap. <laughs> that's when I nap. That's when I feel the burnout. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I taught myself very early on graphic designing. And I taught Jeez. myself how to edit videos because I didn't want to wait on anybody. I don't want to wait a day. I don't want to wait a few hours. I don't want to go back and forth. Totally. I don't want to go back and forth with people editing my stuff. I know what I want. I know how mm -hmm. I like it. I know what to use. Mm -hmm. I... I pay for my own programs. I have my own very nice, expensive camera. I just do things on my own time. Going back, how many staff members do you have now? Uh, we have... Sorry if I'm getting this wrong, but I think mm -hmm. I have like four front desks. Yeah. Oh, that's a baby. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so I have four front desks, and yeah. I believe I have... Um, that includes the two managers. Yeah. So I would say five then, five, five, five. admin. Yeah. And then um, three nurses, not including myself. Wow, so you include it's a team of nine. Actually, never mind. 10, 11, 11. It's total, a team of 11. Yeah, managing director and then um, financial manager. So a single location gets you to a team of 11. Yeah. You're going to get that second location here soon. It's probably going to get you to a team of 22. Probably. And then there's all your teaching engagements. Yeah. Yeah. That I, at the moment, run on my own. Okay. Well, but that's, I that's think... That's not going to say the same. <laughs> I can say that. That's not going to say the yeah, same. Yeah. I think, I think soon when I'm getting a lot of, of that, mm -hmm. I probably should hire someone just for that. But in the meantime, I run that on my own. Do you have any new conventions coming up? Any, any, uh, anything planned? We did contouring around the world. What's next? Yeah. I don't think I'm going to do one. I'm going to host one on my own um, anytime soon. Okay. Um, I do a lot of private training, but, uh -huh. um, but, I, but I, am, I do have some opportunities in the States that I'm so excited about in 2024. They're already you know, marked down on my calendar. Um, they're speaking opportunities wow. like, that I never in my life thought I would even get. Like that, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. People talk about those events. Like When I first started, I would hear people talk about going to see so-and-so and, -so, and mm -hmm. I'm going to be presenting with so-and-so mm -hmm. and I just, I, it's, it's, I think more surreal than 
lip trans. Wow. Like, I don't even know, like the feeling yeah. of being there. I like, I don't even, I can't even imagine how it's going to feel for me to be there. At this point in your career, do you see yourself as a, a nurse, uh, an injector, uh, a businesswoman or an influencer? No, I, th- I don't know. I think I'm just Yara. <laughs> it's incredible. I think I'm just Yara. <laughs> Yara, you've been, you've been incredibly open, incredibly honest. Thank you. I always love to end these with, it's my favorite questionnaire from the, from the, from the tremendous Bernard Pivot. Um, so if you would indulge me, made famous by Inside the Actor Studio, if you would indulge me, what is your favorite word? <clears throat> Exquisite. Okay. What is your least favorite word? Curtain. Okay. <laughs> what sound or noise do you love? Um, sound or noise do I love? Sound or noise that I love? I mean, I could tell you what I, I hate. Okay, what sound or noise do you hate? I, hey, I don't like the sound of chalk on... Um, the nail yeah, scratching thing yeah. or the actual writing? The actual part? chalk. I don't like that. Um, whether it be emotionally or spiritually, what turns you on? Emotionally or spiritually, what turns me on? Mm-hmm. I'm a sepio... Is this sepio? Is that how you pronounce it? Sep- sepio sexual? Yeah. Okay. I'm a sepiosexual, so intellect. There you go. What turns yeah. you off? Um... What turns me off? Um, probably someone who just doesn't have intellect okay. or can't keep up a conversation. Okay. If you could try any profession other than your own, what would it be? <laughs> I'd probably be a stripper. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a totally different world. Like it's, it's a different world. Dramatically, dramatically different. Very different. Different hours. It's, it's a different like, life. It's completely different. Yep. So I would want to try a contrast. Okay. Uh, and then what career would you never want to try? A stripper. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is your favorite curse word? No, just, I would never want to. No, I'm not going to say that. That <laughs> no, you could you could still put that in, but I'm, that's not the actual truth. I would never be um, involved with sewage. You you never do sewage. I would never do sewage. Natural waste. Yeah, I'd never do sewage. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I don't think I would either. I remember a popular mechanics for kids episode. <laughs> I would. I think it was Jay Bush. Yes. I was. I was. I watched that too. Yeah. I would never do didn't that. Didn't like it. He didn't yeah. like it. What's your favorite curse word? Probably fuck. <laughs> do you know that meme? <laughs> I, I don't have a favorite curse word. I don't really curse okay. that often. Yeah. And uh, finally, you know, obviously, I, I know you're faith leaning, so I don't have to say it this way, but, but still, heaven exists. What would you want God to say to you when you cross through the pearly gates? If heaven exists, and you're assuming I'm going to make it through the pearly gate, mm-hmm. gate, shit, I never even assumed that. So, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you have no friends in there. <laughs> <laughs> No friends in there. Good luck. Oh, my goodness. Wow. That's probably the best answer I've ever heard. By welcoming, you have no friends in there. That's incredible. That's incredible. Nurse Rod, thank you so much for your time. Where can people find you? Let's say they want to follow up. They want to hear more of your story, see more of your story. Uh, Where would they do that? Instagram. 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 Um, 
obviously my reviews are all on Google. I have a few articles out there, um, but mostly Instagram. Okay. And what's yeah. the Instagram handle for the people? Nurse.yara as well as Mirror by Nurse Yara. There you go. Very on brand. Thank you again, Nurse Yara, for all your time. Thank you. All right. This episode of Unlinear was produced by Travel Simpson and Ryan Forneri. Unlinear is a proud member of the Spoke Podcast Network. You can find more great shows at spokenetwork.ca or wherever you get your podcasts.